Oh, baby, baby. time no see everybody how's it going it's your boy notorious essay aka steve anderson aka not an insurrectionist it's january 18th 2021 i haven't uploaded in a while and i'm sorry i know i had plans and big plans to do this on a semi-regular basis or at the very least once a week and I had a special episode planned about a medical emergency I had, which is still written off in the background somewhere to do when I feel the time is right to do it. But, you know, life gets in the way of everything all the time, especially now. So it's been, it's been a crazy couple of months. Personally, for me, not really, but for the world, yes. Since I've last recorded the podcast, the president has still not conceded the election, has gone to the Supreme Court multiple times, and pressured state officials and local officials to try to change votes. And of course, probably what will end up being the defining feature of Trump's legacy, unless something happens between now and noon on January 20th, that really changes it. And depending on who he pardons tomorrow... We'll see with Trump, but the biggest part of his legacy is now going to be the insurrection on January 6th. It's hard to stress how angry I was when it happened. It's the only thing I can compare it to is watching the terrorist attacks on September 11th. And you know, I know some people are going to hear that and think that that might be a bit of an exaggeration. And look, there's different circumstances between both. 9-11 involved planning by foreign terrorists that resulted in attacks on buildings, including some a government building, that resulted in loss of life. And our response to that was absolute shock, sadness, followed by a rallying around American ideals and values and going after terrorists. You know, I was in sixth grade at the time, so... We understood what was happening, but being younger kids, maybe the significance hadn't really caught up to us in terms of what it meant. And after seeing the adults around us react in the way they did with sadness and crying and anger, now as an adult, 20 years or so later, when we're watching television just going about our day and we see what is a terrorist attack happen in front of you, it's it's infuriating because you can see it happening and you know you can't really do anything about it and in this day and age where everyone and their mother has a phone or a camera and access to the internet and figured out what live streaming was we had hundreds if not thousands of people streaming from every conceivable angle the insurrection inside the capitol and plenty of people went in with no mask, using their own social media accounts, sometimes which were verified 
if they were on the service known as Parler with their driver's license to be verified. People filmed themselves committing crimes and cheered and bragged and celebrated. And of course, they ignore the videos of police officers being overwhelmed by crowds. People saying, fuck the blue. People saying to attack and kill police officers. And of course, one police officer died as a result of the injuries he received at the Capitol, and another committed suicide shortly after the siege. Not to mention more that were injured, and while this particular terrorist attack didn't result in the same amount of deaths, which is sad to say a good thing that the death toll was limited, the potential the potential mass casualty event that this could have been, or the specific targets involved, including the Vice President of the United States, which as we found out based on timelines, which may have been mere minutes or seconds away from the crowd, possibly overwhelming the Secret Service and other security measures in place? And then what? Then what happens when a bloodthirsty crowd gets to the people in charge? I think we all know what could have happened, and which is why for people trying to write it off and say it wasn't a coup, which since the military was not actively involved in participating in the insurrection, it's not technically a coup. But the fact that people, some of whom who are in fact former or active military in the crowd, decided to break the security lines and storm the capital in violation of the law and the oaths they took. The concerning thing here is that people who have been or are part of said system are knowingly violating said system because of Donald Trump and the, the constant obvious lies about having a landslide election stolen from him. The worst part about almost all of this is that the president, by all accounts, encouraged the insurrection, was happy while the insurrection was happening, and only took some sort of measure when people around him said, you may be held accountable legally for this, for incitement, and then asked the people and it took several times to actually go through with it to say to stop doing what they're doing. Sprinkling in things like I love you and you're special and the election was stolen. Thus perpetuating the things that made the insurrection happen in the first place. While putting in the small legal notice saying please don't commit violence. And when people say the president specifically said be peaceful, don't be violent. Because he said those words he's not accountable for what happened. Let's be clear, the president has been engaged in material falsehoods for several months using every official channel he has to spread them to people for his benefit. The same people then have made a whole timeline of accusations unfounded about the election process amplified by Trump for his own benefit to try to delegitimize President-elect Biden, who will be President Biden come Wednesday, 
And then the day of the counting of the electoral vote, which by the way, doesn't actually result in the election being over. It just means that they counted the certified votes from the other states. So at least five or six layers of security has gone into all of these ballots at this point. He still has people out there saying that it was stolen, knowing that he's rallying people up. And again, there's documentary footage everywhere of people saying who they are, where they're coming from, with a long history of being associated following Trump or QAnon or militias or whatever other crazy nonsense they're into, specifically saying the president told me to do this and to come here. So for all of the people who think that there should be any sympathy for anybody who stormed through a police barricade, who intimidated innocent staffers in Congress, who assaulted police officers, threatened them with death, and then threatened to kill or harm elected members of Congress for doing a ceremonial role, there is no sympathy for them. I'm sorry, there is none. And I know a lot of them might be normal people who have become brainwashed and have decided that this is what they want to do with their lives. But it has to stop somewhere. This consequence-free environment that President Trump has created for himself and the people around him has resulted in two police officers dying, hundreds of people being injured, and the amount of work the FBI is going to have to do to track down all of these people. It's just mind-boggling. And the fact that I hear that about the Republican Party, the party that I still barely identify with at this point, and how 45% approved of the actions there, and of how the so-called people who follow the Republican Party, anywhere between 40 to 45% want President Trump to be the nominee in 2024. So here's the thing, is that the window between being a Republican and being a supporter of Trump, the person, has become so small since 2015 that the only people left in the party before the insurrection and before the election were those who either were totally immune from the president, as in they didn't have to face any kind of election while he was in office. They either became syncopats of the president or went out of their way to not criticize him while attacking the other side. And they all did whatever they could for survival. Trump was the president. They may not have liked it, but they wanted to be team players and their constituents wanted it. So they had to do what they could to try to please all of them. And this is what happens. This is what happens when they had to cater to him and then cater to the whims of crazier and crazier people. They have created an atmosphere that the only thing that's legitimate is whatever the president says it is. And if the president says it's not legitimate, despite all factual evidence the other way, he can still convince thousands, if not millions of people, that it is not that way. And other thousands, if not millions of people, will either cynically participate in, be accidentally and unfortunately drawn in by, or take advantage of said situation. So long as Trump is the president and the focus of a major political party. And, you know, I told you so doesn't cover it. 
being this way for half a decade about Donald Trump not being the right person for the job, criticizing him frequently, you know, giving credit where it's due, which wasn't a whole lot, but there are, I guess, some things out of the Trump administration that may have positive benefits down the road. But look, we can't even talk about these things because it's all been overshadowed. You know, we can talk about how good Bill Cosby was before he was arrested or anybody else, but really all the good things don't really matter at this point because when such severe crimes are committed and such norms are gregariously disregarded and people die as a result of the carelessness and selfishness, no matter what good may have happened and while there was some good, there was a lot of bad, this is the cherry on top of all the bad things that could have possibly happened. Over the course of four years, President Trump, after eight years of the Republican Party gaining at the local, state, and federal levels, have lost almost everything. Now, I will say that some state legislators have, in fact, either increased their numbers or stayed the same. But the House of Representatives, which was Republican-controlled from 2011 to 2019, was gone in Trump's first term. The Senate, which has been in Republican control since 2015, will be controlled by the Democrats next week in 2021. The presidency, which they had spent eight years trying to fight and couldn't get from Obama, they lost it again in four years. So the initial predictions of this election being a not a disaster for the Republican Party have in fact come true. And it was all delayed because of the pandemic and the votes and the lawsuits and the nonsense. But at the end of the day, the votes came in, Joe Biden won by a lot, Democrats retained their House majority and picked up just enough seats to maintain control of the Senate, which the Republicans have spent the last four years showing how much you can do exactly with 50% plus one. The roadmap's there. They gave them all the tools. And for Trump, they did it for this guy, who clearly doesn't give a fuck about anything at all, aside from his immediate self-interest. Who could have seen that coming besides everybody who didn't have their head up their ass or who didn't want to cater to some nut job reality TV star? You know, I could talk about this for the entire time, but I'm not going to because I have a, I have more of a story in mind. But what I do want to just finish up on here is that if you can, if you're wondering if there's something you can do to help with this, what you can do is if you can, mind you that the FBI and other law enforcement is doing this already, but if you can go through footage and find screenshots or stills or small clips where you can get a clear focus on someone that has any kind of distinctifying features, as in they're not wearing a mask, specific clothing, patches, a corporation's name, their employee name badge, I don't know, they're saying their name out loud, maybe it's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or it's been found in the parlor archives that are online. If anything had been available and you recognize anyone that you know that was there, 
I don't care if it was your mom, your dad, your friend, your girlfriend, boyfriend, your threesome partner, coworker, boss. I don't care who it was. If you saw them go over police barricades and step into that building, they participated in an insurrection and they need to be held accountable. That is the only way that we can be sure that future events like this will be discouraged because these people maybe just thought they were going to go stroll through the hall, take some selfies, laugh a little bit, maybe grab some stuff, walk out and act like that was the end of the day. No. No. As someone who has been to Washington, D.C., who has been through the process of going through metal detectors and trying to get meetings and going through the process the correct way and trying to make sure that our democracy works, this cannot stand. And if anybody anybody that you know was a part of it it is your patriotic duty to report them to law enforcement it is not snitching because it was done in public with cameras everywhere documented and these people if they think they can get away with this they can get away with anything if they can get away with treason well so they think they can't get away with they need to be held accountable report them to the FBI and law enforcement Attach their social media profiles, attach their personal information if you have it, because, I'm sorry, you know, normally I am a snitches get stitches, don't try to rat on people kind of person, but this was a terrorist attack by people who were told to do this by the President of the United States. This cannot stand, and the President has to face consequences, which he will through an impeachment trial in the Senate and obviously losing the presidency and being at 29% and hopefully lower approval ratings in the future and whatever other legal accountability he's going to face, which I'm sure he will. An example has to be set with him and with his cronies who enabled this to happen and for any of the digital foot soldiers who decided that storming the Capitol would be a good idea. If you know them, report them. It's your patriotic duty as an American, and you'll feel good about yourself when you do. For the main thing I wanted to talk about today is I had plans, you keep writing stuff down and things keep changing about comparing what's the world going to be like after January 20th, 2021, but that was before the insurrection. No, the vaccines, the miracle of all of that. Every major story that you could think about gets drowned out by something else, which in the Trump era is amazing. And whether it's him being blocked on Twitter, big tech and what they're going to have to do and if they're responsible for what happened, which is actually somewhat related to the main story. You know, a lot of stuff is going on and it's very difficult to do things. You know, if you have like a hobby that you don't get paid for, I don't get paid for doing this. This all comes out of my own time and effort. And sometimes I feel like maybe it'd be better if I just, you know, did my stuff around the house or read some books I haven't read or movies I haven't caught up on or 
spend time on YouTube catching up on all sorts of stuff. And it can be very difficult to maintain something, whether it's this podcasting or exercise or keeping in contact or eating healthy. Consistency matters, and every time that you start again, you know, you start fresh and you have an opportunity to make something of it. So for 2021 and for the future, I'm going to do my best to try to make this happen. And it's not probably going to be daily. That's a bit much. Maybe weekly, maybe twice a week. I don't know. It's just me, one guy, recording my thoughts as I see them, telling you what I'm thinking out loud, and hopefully providing you some thoughts and entertainment along the way. Because after all, I'm just a guy with a story to tell. A notorious story. The notorious essay story. So our main event tonight concerns something I s- about similar to what I was talking about earlier in the age of uh, misinformation being spread. One question that you should ask yourself is, you know, have I been involved in it? Because if you're anybody who exists and has a social media account, it's possible you have been involved in it whether you wanted to or not. Whether you've been tagged by somebody on Facebook, whether someone has messaged you or tagged you on Twitter or Instagram or however many social sites there are, which even I can't keep track of anymore. But the idea is that if you're engaging in a world where we have an online media source and information and links and videos and pictures can be shared almost instantly and the filtration systems behind it are largely just dependent on whatever place you're posting filtering it or monitoring the content and when you have one person in particular who may or may not be the most powerful person on earth posting said things on said sites it can sort of give the impression that we live in this kind of crazy world where bad ideas are everywhere and everyone around us is susceptible to being brainwashed and I don't necessarily think that's the case. And I think social media companies with the amount of money they spend on their products for us to use and now being on what was more likely to be the receiving end of government scrutiny than the favoring end, you know, the Biden years are not going to be like the Obama years where Obama was a major proponent of Silicon Valley. Uh, People may forget that Facebook helped him organize young people in 2008 and 2012, their digital operation was far superior, and they were masters of it before Trump was, and Trump took it to an entirely different level. But these different channels of communication that we have now, where a person on a platform, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or Imgur or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, we ourselves may not necessarily have a huge amount of engagement among a lot of people. We may have, you know, science says the most we can really have is 120 real friends or close connections. And if you do post stuff online, you know, you may want to get a bunch of likes, but you may end up getting like your immediate family and friends, not a whole lot of strangers. But in a world where information can rapidly go viral, which is an unfortunate term in the age of a pandemic, but when claims can just spread fast and information can be shared, it can be important for 
major events in terms of finding out what the perspective was behind it and what led to these things happening. And with social media, particularly in an age where a large part of the content is almost immediately archived, either by opportunists who want to use it against you or programs that do it anyway or your particular thoughts were recorded by somebody else with a larger audience, the perpetuity of what you've written is very likely. So when people engage this way, there's records of how they spoke and what the language was they used and what was the platform in which it was spoken on. You know, the platforms that we have allow us to reach, you know, we may not be able to reach millions of people. You may be able to reach hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. And for some of us, maybe, yes, maybe into the millions, depending on how the idea of a view works on YouTube or Imgur or whatever site you want. The idea is that we can put out information into the world and the platforms allow us to have it be exposed to not just our immediate friends and family, but to the entire world. And, you know, in a market-like environment where the best ideas rise to the top, the top posts would be good ideas. Unless they're not. Unless they're bad ideas that have been manipulated into these positions by people who are trying to manipulate the conversation or the system. So, where our story begins is with me on Facebook. Facebook, I've been on since 2006, so the idea that it's been this large part of my life is kind of crazy, and the idea of what we think of as Facebook has changed. You know, when I had Facebook, when it started, from the early days, the aughts, the 04, 06, 08 era, it was largely college students and high school students who wanted to connect and you know, reach out to other people. And it was an interesting way of connecting to people who you may not see very often. So people, if you had gone to, you know, junior high or high school with or college or whatever, and you hadn't seen them or they moved or whatever direction you went in in life, this allowed you to kind of see what they were up to, right? And a large part of it was people just posting funny pictures and funny videos and honestly kind of a lot of a party, a lot of partying. It was the place where kids could share what they were doing and the idea is that it wasn't really supervised by the, I guess, adult world. You know, the mainstream media, your parents, your teachers, not everybody was engaged on it. It was a way for us to be like, hey, here's kind of a cool club we're in where we're not physically present, but we can post stuff and, you know, there's lots of pictures of people partying. And the weird part is that in this kind of archived world we lived in, there's lots of people who had maybe MySpace or Facebook in this time frame who just kind of gave up on it. You know, the pictures never went away, you know, if you didn't deactivate your account. So, just to, just so you know, stuff that you did from 2004 to 2009, which seems like forever ago, it may have been from a younger, more carefree and less future concerned you posted stuff that may or may not look good now. And sure, maybe it's you smoking weed, or drinking underage, or smoking cigarettes, or 
God knows what else. Just be aware that if you've ever had a picture of you posted online, odds are not every single time that you've been in one, you are aware of it. You're not sure of the circumstances behind it. And it's always a good idea to try to see what you can find out about yourself because you never want to be surprised or taken shock or photoshop or anything like that to come at you so you know google yourself once in a while make sure that you've got yourself in order but after obama's election and the obama campaign was able to figure out how to use it and we suddenly our attention was drawn to facebook as this cool new way of thinking and it was one of the best places to work and in silicon valley when the recession hit they were still hiring like crazy interns making six figures the amount of data they have at their disposal is just unbelievable and they're competing with MySpace, I guess, and at the time, and Twitter, and of course the other technology sources are taking off. The Obama administration is stacked with people from Silicon Valley and there's a big revolving door between that area, which probably led to where we are now, but whatever, totally different. Point being is that now more mainstream people are coming into social media networks. So now, 09010, we have a large rise of people who are older the baby boomers the boomer memes your mom your aunt your grandma your grandpa your teachers everybody and their mother essentially decides to get in on the party so for a lot of people that was their cue to clean up their act private some posts delete some pictures and start acting more like this is less like a party zone and more like a general family public space so Everybody's doing their best on behavior for the most part. Now, the same way that Obama was able to organize on Facebook, Tea Party groups would organize on Facebook as well. And I know this because as someone who worked on a Democratic political campaign in 2010, part of our work was to be in these groups, which you could do pretty easily, and see what they were planning on doing. And usually that meant that the Republican candidate was going to be somewhere around there, and it would give you a chance to find out what they were doing, you know, to film them for tracking purposes or hear them say something, you know, usual dirty political stuff. And it became a very effective way to see what other people were talking about. And it would be pages, it would be group, people would post stuff. Eventually, it became just sort of incorporated into life. And we kind of had the idea of, you know, don't trust everything you read in your email chain would then become your Facebook post. You know, you used to get email if you're old enough to know what email is. I'm sure I don't even know, but when we had email as our predominant electronic communication method, you know, kind of before texting and the social media networks, right, you might get an email from somebody that had been sent to somebody else, and it would say forward, as in you forward the email, but it would be like, six or seven of these forward 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 all caps true american pictures whatever and it was a very early attempt at this kind of we'll say right-wing propaganda which you can still look up if you go to uh, snopes.com and look in their kind of email chain letter archives you can see kind of this 2000s george w bush republican precursor to Trump era talking points and it would be like you know a fake Andy Rooney quote or something Rush Limbaugh said or something George Bush said or whatever and people would share it and it was a way of them to communicate 
Eventually, they started doing that on the social media networks. And of course, around the same time, more networks are breaking out. And as they increase in size, the amount of people who are using them for less than stellar means or less chill people would become part of these platforms. And they could be other less chill people. And maybe you didn't follow them or know them, but they existed. And they might start posting these conservative-leaning cartoons or jokes or emails or start making their own. And maybe they'll just start making, I don't know, super racist, sexist, xenophobic stuff. And then other people may agree with said stuff and share it, echo it, retweet it, post it, quote it, whatever. And that kind of builds up into a way of finding an audience for a person who's able to attract attention from the kind of people who become overzealous, maybe paranoid, maybe caught up in the moment. You know, they find an audience and when they take that audience and use it for their personal benefit, they create a space where a kind of a toxic environment can brew. And when these toxic environments brew online, you know, it can become a real echo chamber rabbit hole. And unless you consciously evaluate some of the stuff that you read or watch online, if you just take everything at face value and you just dive into ideas that get worse and worse, you suddenly might find yourself in a scary place. So the story kind of revolves around me being on Facebook and, you know, using it for whatever reasons. And then when Trump becomes president, we've sort of stepped into this phase where the internet and the jokes about Trump being president and all that stuff now becomes reality because through the magic of the U.S. electoral system, Donald Trump was able to win the electoral college without winning the popular vote, which is not the first time that it happened or even the first time in the century that it happened. And it is a byproduct of the system that we have that generally when it happens is usually never good for the person who wins or the country as a whole because it results in something being divided. This showed that the country was very divided and that Trump lost the popular vote by a lot but won the electoral college. But whatever. When the first time it happened we're all going to get on board with it. And in those magical days of 2017 it's weird to say magical days of 2017, right? Nothing that long ago that we were like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, so President Trump's inaugurated. We're all kind of dealing with the shock and awe that is the first year of the Trump administration. The travel ban, the executive orders, the line about the crowd size. SNL has jokes about it. It's hilarious, whatever. There's an organization that pops up that I become involved in called Republican Atheist. Now... Generally, when you think of the Republican Party, atheist is not the first category you think of in terms of a large part of their uh, political group. And as you may correctly assume, according to most research, people who identify as atheist or non-believers or agnostic usually classify themselves as, uh, politically speaking, uh, democratic-leaning or democratic or liberal or progressive most of the time. Which, again, when you compare it to the Republican Party in terms of people who go to church and how often and specific religions as you get Christian, 
between your Catholics and your Protestants and your Evangelical Christians, you'll see that, yes, there is generally more religios religiosity on the right side of the conservative political spectrum and less of it on the liberal progressive side. But there are people who identify as atheists. They may identify as secular or not particularly religious, but they identify politically with the Republican Party or conservative values. So it wasn't necessarily that they were things like in the camp of the religious liberty pro-life crowd. It was more so of the fans of either Donald Trump as a person or of uh, lower taxes or Second Amendment advocates or things of that nature. So a specific type of crowd. It wasn't the religious liberty crowd that was attracted, but people who were Republicans either because they lived in democratically run states that are pretty terrible, California for one, or that they were detached. They were atheists, but they're detached from other atheists for their politically correct views or they're castigating other people and, you know, people who champion the diversity of thought will then try to expel people who view differently from them. So people who were conservative but didn't fit into these particular cycles. So it's an underserved uh, population that I thought, as myself, someone who identifies as Republican and an atheist, thought would be a niche space to kind of work in and see, you know, how big of a section can it get? Could it have an influence on the Republican Party in the same way that other groups do? Like, is there enough people? So, there's a, clearly an area that I think could be an area of ex interesting exploration. So, it turns out, as I Google it, there is, in fact, a uh, page set up by somebody named Lauren, who lives in Sweden, who is from California. And, of course, I like the page kind of, you know, like Twitter, all that stuff, and eventually we start to communicate online, and she asked me to, if I was interested in being a correspondent for the organization, and correspondent should be in quotation marks because it was, hey, do you feel like writing something? We can publish it on our blog or the website, and I'm like, sure, why not? So I became one, and I became a fan of the page and helped them share stuff, and I was in the private group on Facebook, and I was the uh, prototypical anti-Trump Republican who was sharing, like, National Review and The Bulwark and The Dispatch and Rupon Society and, you know, other YouTube videos, fun stuff. But I will say that I was pretty adamant that uh, I was critical of the president, and I made sure to post other Republicans and conservatives who were critical of it because the idea is that being a Republican atheist group is that we kind of champion the Republican atheist part of it and have honest discussions about it. And for a while, it was fun. People would post stuff, comments would be civil, but eventually a different kind of crowd comes in. And this crowd starts to have a kind of few similarities. Their pictures aren't necessarily of their faces. They might be emblems. And a lot of them were of the Punisher or a kind of an airbrushed American flag with their face in it somewhere. Or, you know, just pictures of, like, them with uh, Trump 2016 or Trump 2020 or whatever. Right? It became very clear that they were a different type of crowd than we initially started with. And 
as time went on, people would post things on there and I would become a moderator of the Facebook group to kind of help the person, Lauren, who was in charge because she was dealing with personal stuff at the time. And I thought, why not? This is something I could do in my off time for fun. Not a huge deal. And what began to happen was that I wanted to make sure that she was aware of the people who were posting certain things because since Trump's election, there has been in my case, some cases legitimate and sometimes overblown cases of these social media networks going after anything that could be considered problematic involving Trump and groups that support him. And I wanted to let her know that the page could be suspended and if she wanted to make this something that was viable in the sense of it may have elected Republicans listening, which would be a major influence boost, that what happens in this group can be reported to Facebook and Facebook can see it. So you should make sure that it's monitored. And she would address this to me and most of the time nothing would happen. The post would stay up or I would be chastised because my content, which was mostly anti-Trump stuff, would be considered too repetitive. And my Trump derangement syndrome was making it uncomfortable for the other members. Who began to post quite the series of things that I would report first to her and then to Facebook itself. And it started off in the typical kind of angry Trump fashion and it went worse from there. So what I would like to do is that an effort to, you know, kind of have a record of this. I have screenshots of different posts from the Republican Atheist private Facebook group, which in the event that it was deleted, and for a brief time it was suspended, so I did in fact copy most of the stuff and have it, which I was allowed to do. And of course, I kept it for the purposes of having it if I needed it for something. And now, more than ever, seemed like a good time because, uh, I'm concerned that the group I was in may or may not have had people who may or may not have been at the insurrection. I say that with the full disclosure being that I was kicked out of this group for my anti-Trump comments. I have publicly feuded with them since then. Uh, it's not really a real organization in any real sense of the word and that it's a bunch of kind of online people who are collectively there together. But it's funny in that it's a story of what happens when you decide to let crazy people in for your own self-interest and what could be an autonomy message going forward because I can't say for certain that anybody in this group may have participated in the capital insurrection but people in this group have shared the same messages, shared the same ideas and I think possibly may have and I can't know for sure because again I'm not in anymore and if these names are real or anonymous but if there is any kind of planning involved with the insurrection and of course you always have to have receipts so what I would like to do is do a quick exploration of the kind of posts that I was reporting that were left up about what were we talking about as Republican atheists so I will say I'm not going to list the names that are posted on these posts, these are just the words, but the pictures do have the Facebook name and profile picture of the person taken at that time. 
again, are they avatars? Are they real? Are they anonymous? Whatever. But these were people writing in here and expressing their thoughts. And it begins with the usual kind of stuff. So the first post from May 23rd. Russia hoax, Mueller hoax, impeachment hoax, now hydroxychloroquine hoax. The medicine is 100 times less dangerous than aspirin Tylenol. It needs to be deregulated and made available without a prescription. Governors are stealing our life and liberties. All caps, President Trump, please help us. So, you know, not kind of out of the feel for the time, but not necessarily great. Another one, post about Mitt Romney from a Daily Caller article. Mitt Romney defend, friend, defends friend Scarborough from Trump attacks. Someone writes, neocons like Romney are trying to cozy up to their media pals even after being backstabbed. This should tell you how, quote, insiders care less about their ideology than they do about maintaining control. So, criticizing Mitt Romney, you know, what are you going to do? It happens. Here's the next post from somebody. So, how do we feel about the fact, uh, and if I didn't say, this is May 30th, 2020. So, how do we feel about the fact that Minnesota is in Elon Omar's district that also happens to be a terrorist hotspot? They've always said that they would destroy us from within. So, it's an escalation from the usual Trump conspiracy theories to uh, saying that Elon Omar's congressional district is full of terrorists. And the conversation that ensues between several people saying, Omar is a clear present danger to the US, that's how I feel. The person who initially posted saying, I personally don't feel like a US congressperson should hate the country they live in so much, or the people they represent. With another person replying, that's the problem with our current congress system, it doesn't attract people who love the country, it attracts people who love power. Followed by another comment, somebody says, the only thing that is going to happen is more mistrust between whites and blacks. They keep throwing salt on the wound and so much despair when there is no compassion, no solution. So, of course, after seeing this, I would, I don't have the power to remove comments, but I can alert the person in charge, Lauren, and be like, hey, this probably isn't cool, FYI. Uh, we should probably delete this or uh, tell them to knock it off. And I would get a, okay, I'll look into it response, and it would just stay up. And I'm like, okay, I understand it's a private group, and people ought to say what they want here, but it's a private group in a private company, which means if anybody on Facebook sees it, they could probably think like, hey, that's not cool, and then just randomly take it away for no reason. So maybe take this a bit more seriously. But, you know, I'm just a guy. This isn't a real thing for me, so whatever. We let it go. Now, to give you an idea in terms of what I was dealing with here, um, Lauren, the person in charge of the group, posted on May 30th, it's been back-to-back -back sagas during Trump's entire time in office. Russia collusion, Kavanaugh, Women's March, impeachment, COVID, na national protests against police. It's too good to be natural. And there then proceeds to be a conversation in which people talk about how the plan is... It's a pandemic, is what they're essentially saying, and that it's been this has all been orchestrated against President Trump. And people start posting things. There's a picture, some graphic stuff, something that says, "When you nail the scene so well, your legs work again, and your your attackers make you smile." Hashtag George Soros, which was about a 
woman in a wheelchair who had been knocked out of her wheelchair during the protest and they thought she was fake. Another post says, this is from the Dallas protest. Some weird shit is going on with some of these protests around the country. Some shadowy group is funding the organization of some of this. They had literal pallets of bricks delivered around cities trying to entice peaceful protesters into riot. Seems like political actors are trying to take advantage of George Floyd's death to spur civil unrest. Another post from the same person quoting another person saying, I refuse to allow a bunch of Antifa affiliated thugs to come to my beloved city of Atlanta and burn it to the ground under the guise of Black Lives Matter. And of course, here, Lauren, the person in charge, said, I checked BLM's primary Facebook page a while back and it had been updated for a year or so. It's bogus. And the conversation then goes on to basically mention that George Soros is probably funding the protest, which of course is a conspiracy theory in which George Soros is paying protesters to cause problems at the march. And again, Lauren, the person in charge of this organization, whose comments I'm trying to monitor to prevent it from being suspended by Facebook, now says when she was on an interview about Republican atheists on a podcast, they hung up on me 15 minutes into discussion because I mentioned the name George Soros. They refused to analyze who was spurring these protest groups from BLM to Antifa to the Women's March. So she's assuming that George Soros is uh, funding all of these people for protest purposes. So uh, at this point, I realized the person that uh, is in charge of the group is in no position to actually determine reality. So kind of just have to let things go where they go. And it just proceeds to get worse because the comments continue to come in and nobody is there to stop them. Shortly after that, here's an ironic post from another member saying, Avoid cities right now, and if you must, go be armed and know how to use it. If you come across a situation that looks dodgy, leave. There's no shame in running and you can avoid charges that way too. Stay frosty, everyone. I think domestic terrorists are trying to overthrow the United States. But common citizens are waking up to that reality and fighting back from May 31st of 2020. Ah, the irony is so rich, isn't it? And of course, after this, there's another post saying, Soros thugs, Antifa, can now be arrested as terrorists. This is, of course, as the president tried to get Antifa categorized as a terrorist organization. Time to follow the money and arrest Soros, liked by... Lauren, the person who runs the page, and five other people. And of course, this group wouldn't be complete without a more global perspective. So another post from a pretty active member states, a week or so ago, I wrote a post about how the hatred of Trump really had little to do with Trump and more to do with what Trump symbolized. How he and the Brexit vote was a re-establishing of nationalist sentiment over globalism. We only need to see the eruption of BLM-style riots in Europe to see proof of the work for the anti-nationalists who have primed people into a frenzy. This is because globalists have their fingers in the news medias around the world, while nationalists do not. However, the internet afforded those who have no voice in mainstream media to connect and confide and provide change. The notion that BLM should be expressing themselves in the UK is ironic and is proof that the entire movement is not about black lives but is a mechanism where globalists can reassert control through fear and unrest. Stay strong. So here's a person saying that the Black Lives Matter movement is actually a globalist conspiracy to halt nationalists. 
This is all from the same day. This is May 31st because this is where most of the screenshots came in. And I gotta tell you, it didn't get any better for the rest of the day. So here's another one from another person who says, I think it might be time to have a serious conversation about balkanization. On one side, we have people who respect property rights and understand how the destruction of it will have far-reaching and lasting negative consequences. And another side that not just actively encourages its destruction, but will consider you evil for not doing so. There is such a serious divide between rural and urban in this country. I am honestly having a very difficult time seeing a more perfect union come out of these protests and riots. Balkanization may be the imperfect solution. With a person saying to them that never ends well, and the original person responding, I just don't see how to reconcile between people who believe in property rights and those who actively fight against them, with the other person commenting, easy, you punish the thieves with overwhelming force. And again, the irony is just not lost here. And the cherry on top of all of it was the final post that I had from the day from somebody who posted and, well, I'll just read the description for you. Martial law coming yet? You all strapped and prepared? Right now, 20 miles south of my house, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all the protesters are taking over the freeways and Minnesota Department of Transportation will be shutting down our freeways for the second night in a row. Thought I'd show off my new toy, the CZ Bren 2 5.56 with brace and 30 round mag, which is a submachine gun. Every time I checked out the Minnesota protest page, they have new protest schedule with 2,000 people going. Shit's getting real with a bunch of dots left afterwards. Everyone around in the comments, locked and loaded. It's martial law. Yes, thumbs up. Great. So now we got people saying that martial law exists and that they're buying guns and they want to show up to protest. So this is May 31st of 2020. So the writing has been on the wall for a bit of time now. And of course, it wouldn't be this page if the Trump supporters came out and said, in crown tweaking of the rioters, all these rioters are going to be so confused when Trump wins re-election. With some people saying they weren't so optimistic, conversation was that Biden is weak AF and the Electoral College loves Trump's. Fingers crossed, I'm of the mindset that if every single conservative got to vote, he'll win by one single vote. Someone would then say, the left is a minority in our country demographically. They won't hold away, and their population centers are urban. Not ideal for winning the Electoral College. So many of these people know that, of course, that they may only win. And here is another person mentioned earlier talking about who would vote for Joe Biden. And this person says, terrorist. They are called terrorists. Someone else says, the thing is, it could really work against the DNC. The non-committed may ask to see this as a fault of liberal policy. They can look at the stability of conservatism as to help with their fears. If Antifa is called out, it'll be the work of leftists, which will reflect badly on the DNC. Someone else says, well, it matters how the media frames it, we're sunk. They'll spit in such a way to remove all the blame from the left. So, of course, the idea that Trump is going to win re-election is going to be uh, a certain. So, again, part of the reason I was kicked out of this group was my anti-Trump commentary, which would include polling data from the polls showing Trump losing. Everything from Pew to Gallup 
to Real Clear Politics to 538. And by posting information saying that Trump was losing, I was posting fake information. So, just an idea of what I was dealing with here. Not long after that, June 2nd, someone posts a photo of someone holding milk. And the, photo, the caption says, Jake Mustachio brought a gallon of milk in case of tear gas became part of the protest. And that person is holding a sign saying, arrest George Floyd's murderers now. And he's holding a gallon of milk, likely because he wants to use it in event of tear gas. And the person posting the picture says, Unbelievable that a small business would support this while fellow businesses are being looted and burned. You bring milk to prepare for violence. To which people down say, Many of them are showing up with no milk to, quote, peacefully protest. And someone saying, I remember tear gas. It wasn't that bad. I think the easiest way to avoid it is to not be a street terrorist. So, you know, there is a theme here where uh, the people protesting in the Black Lives Matter movement are terrorists who want violence and Trump is going to stop all of them. And of course, it gets darker June 2nd, the next day, a post that starts a very large conversation by a person with an avatar that says, All Lives Matter, saying, I've been thinking. It seems to me that this game plan is turning whites against white. It's working. Your thoughts? So the idea is that uh, we're being racially divided among white people. Person saying, it is. We're supposed to see each other and hate each other and ourselves, but I don't see us as whites. We're Americans, damn it. And Americans don't burn down their neighborhoods and steal other people's stuff, so get rid of the non-Americans and we'll be back to normal. Another person saying, I can't talk about this because the world's not ready. The short answer is yes. Someone else saying, I'm not against whites. I'm against communists, Antifa, and anyone else doesn't have my best interests in mind. This is most minorities, not all in a portion of whites. That same person then writes, you know what, it doesn't make much sense for whites to turn on themselves, which is why it's actually very important to be very vocal. Sometimes the option of liking ourselves is so out of reach. So if I figure someone needs to see me, see someone like me, and that person then posts, that's because we've been taught every day since day one not to see ourselves as a unified race, unlike every other race. Instead, for a long time we were taught we were American and that was our identity, unfortunately that has gained that has waned heavily the last 30 years and we're raising generations to hate their identity or don't believe it exists. So, people continue to talk and people then have some complaints about censorship, but the idea here is that, you know, people are talking about race relations getting worse. And, of course, there was racist memes, so here's one that says Black Lives Matter got betrothed, and it's a picture of Homer Simpson in a pose to look like he's mentally challenged or retarded, and it says, look at me, I robbed a bank to stop racism. And June 5th, uh, this day in particular might be important because uh, in the news there was a video of an old man protesting who was pushed over by the police and fell on his head. So someone on this who was actually part of the Republican Party of Maryland in some way, shape, or form in an official capacity posted a link and says, you know the 75-year-old guy we all saw get pushed down, hit his head, and bleed on the pavement? 
in the same video, one of the cops tries to go check on him at a stop by another. Now all 57 of the cops who did this have resigned. When I read that, I said, wow, they were so ashamed of what happened they resigned? Nope, it was in support of the two who got suspended for doing it. Then come to find out they lied about this too. The only reason we know about it is because it was recorded by a news crew. The Buffalo Police Statement's initial statement was that the man was injured when he tripped and fell during a confrontation between protesters and police officers. However, television station WFBFO had videotaped and aired the incident, prompting a fierce backlash against the police department after internal affairs investigation. And down this, the person comments, I agree with the police. Am I supposed to believe that this man has lived for 75 years and thought and approaching the group of police officers in Riger was a good idea? No. He got what you get when you do something that stupid. Someone saying, so he's an activist, refused to clear the area, confront the police, knowingly that those officers are going to keep pushing people back. Did he want the police to push him and fall? He has some of the news cameras right there filming. Someone says, that's what my friend thinks. That was intentional for more media fuel. So, of course, this was an Antifa person faking being pushed and having their skull cracked open. Now, the same person who wrote that last comment would also be a frequent contributor. And again, I'm not naming the people just because I don't know if these names are real or fake. And I don't want people to go on witch hunts for people who may have the same, same or similar name. But this person, who was a pretty frequent contributor, wrote, This person wrote, I was mistaken. Like everyone else, I thought it looked like the Minneapolis police killed George Floyd. Now that many facts have rolled in, I've changed my mind. Well, it looked bad, it wasn't the whole story. He was high on drugs and trying to use a counterfeit bill. I'm 100% against illicit drug use and counterfeit money. He made it worse by resisting arrest. You never resist arrest. That's a crime in and of itself and it never works out. Like I, like I have explained to my daughters, if you resist arrest, you're going to lose some teeth and still get arrested. It never works out. It only makes it worse. Like trying to throw a tantrum when you've been busted by your parent, if your parent is worth a damn. Now we have people, everyone elsewhere, full of white guilt saying ridiculous things like racism is bad. Of course it's bad. Water's wet too. Not to mention George's COVID-19 infection and his history of cocaine and armed robbery convictions. The whole world has gone insane collectively. The only ones that I haven't seen go nuts are the dissident right, known as the alt-right. And while these guys aren't always correct, in quotations, majus, I think they've maintained their sanity in all of this. So... Um, again, somebody would then post, this is absolutely correct, criminals shouldn't be given mercy, Floyd was a thug, if I say this out loud, some idiots will call me a far white extremist, but I'm not even white, and the person posting that is, from what the avatar says, uh, not white. The original poster says, yes, I've been dogpiled on in 48 hours on Twitter because of similar behavior. I've been called a white nationalist when this I deleted my comments so I don't get reported. As long as you don't use racial slurs, you should be fine. It's annoying. So again, people talking about how the alt-right have, have been correct and that the alt-right um, is the way to go and that George Floyd uh, was not murdered by the police. Now. And I can stress this again, I have no real control at this point of anybody doing anything, so while I'm trying to post stuff to counter it, and I will post Snopes fact checks and things of that nature, 
Um, I'm not really getting any help from the top. So uh, June 5th comes around and uh, you may remember this time when the president sent in the police to tear gas peaceful protesters who were peacefully protesting so he could do a photo op. Uh, the administrator of the group, Lauren, the person in charge, uh, decides to share a link and says, I feel like this hasn't gotten enough coverage in regards to the, quote, peaceful protester tear gas in Washington, D.C. Protesters were asked to move three times. If they do not move, are they still considered peaceful protesters? Then quotes from CNN. From where we were on the roof, you could hear the officers say, this is the first of three warnings. You need to move out of the park. It was abruptly followed up by a second and then a third one. Lauren then asked, in regards to the canisters, the reporting has been very vague. A reporter found canisters did not contain irritants. It was not quote-unquote tear gas, yet did not put report when the, exactly these canisters were deployed. The park police said they used canisters with irritants the night before. Why were the canisters not reported before? It needs to be better reporting. Then she asked, I'm wondering if there was an unruly mob in the square the night before. If so, how did the police deal with them? Was there scrap remaining? Has there been a lot going on in D.C. outside of the removal of protesters? People would say, I tend not to believe these reporters. They probably brought canisters. I find it very odd that reporters do not want to cover the story. So, um, as you probably know, uh, the police were sent in and did, in fact, sick tear gas on the protesters. So, Lauren would go on to question whether or not it was tear gas and why it was not already there and maybe the mob was just unruly. So there are more posts here and I wish I could just get to all of them. You know, as you scroll through all the screenshots that I shared, it's just within days there would just be so many that I can see why people who professionally monitored had trouble with it because The idea that George Floyd wasn't murdered or had it coming to him and drug protests were, the protests were bad and the rioters had to be there and they deserved to be cranked upon and people should own their guns. It really does set a concerning message when you look back because the idea is that they already saw the other side as doing this and therefore that doing it back would be appropriate. Now another person who posted mostly pictures who I'm convinced was in fact a white supremacist posted a picture of uh, George Zimmerman, the gentleman who shot Trayvon Martin, in a picture with a caption that says replace police with neighborhood watch? Well if you insist. And that would be the first of many somewhat racist movements. Then another person would comment Nazi Germany defunded and replaced police departments and organized peaceful protests that turned for riot, turned to riot. Sound familiar? So, Nazi Germany, of course, doing all the precursors to what's happening. So, that's obviously not true, but what are you going to do about it? Now, I would, if I couldn't block it, I would just try to engage with people and share things. And one last story I might have for you here as part of this is a long conversation about just the denial of reality among people. So I posted a link from the National Journal saying, Republican loyalty to Trump won't survive a November loss, which again, 
uh, as of right now, uh, sounds wrong, but it does seem like a lot of Republicans, especially in the wake of an insurrection, have abandoned the president. Now, here is where I start to get the personal attacks. And this is from June 8th, so it's been a long four days or five days, but someone posts more BS from a leftist troll. Another person says, no, he's not a leftist. He's made that clear. He's a neocon, never a Trumper. Let's be civilized if we're going to call names. Another person says, I agree. It's these damn particular articles, the one he chooses to share. It's another article. It's another leftist dumpster flyer. This article is yet another leftist dumpster fire. Most Republicans are skeptical of media bias, and rightfully so. He seems to have zero awareness of it and thinks this group is clearly slanted will play well. Yet he persists. Odd neocon behavior. Neocon behavior is damned odd. Anyone still anti-Trump has a Masonic ego they want stroked. I would then just point out that the article I was sharing it from was a conservative was a conservative leaning place and someone says uh, that comment was deleted so I can't see anymore but here actually um, Lauren actually did defend me and said that the person who initially commented should be uh, you don't if you don't clean up your act it'll be removed and it then goes on to talk more about uh, the other sites that I use and I mentioned that the sites that I post, the Bulwark, the Dispatch, and Fox News are super left-wing sites, and sarcasm, and someone says yes, especially Fox, their left-wing left -wing sympathies are showing. Someone else says, Steve, your posts appear to be left, left bias. I see as much Trump hate from you as I see in far-left sites. When I see the Trump hate, the articles are out of context, not based in fact, or they are opinion articles only hating on Trump. However, I did get someone to defend me, saying that this poor guy has to open up a window in his echo chamber and let some fresh air in. He's still inhaling fumes from 2016. It will be no great feat to align the radical leftist goals and actions to the Democratic Party. Now, this just goes on to bash me a bit more. I then point out the fact that we've lost seats since Trump is in office. People then deny it, saying that Trump is still in charge and we're still happening. People then say I voted for Hillary, which is not true. Uh, all the old Republicans are gone. Trump is the way of the future. Old Republicans are bad, and it just keeps going on. So I was personally attacked multiple times, and Lauren uh, tried her best, but didn't really help me that much. So. It's inevitable, and you could say, you could stop commenting, Steve, but, you know, I was trying to provide the context of the truth and what was happening and uh, defend what I thought was my honest reputation, but apparently that wasn't enough. Eventually, Lauren would message me and say, uh, repeatedly, that warning me that my uh, post were upsetting the group and that my conduct among the members was upsetting people and that she was getting complaints about me. Now, I was the one publicly attacked by people and trying to correct misinformation and attacked for being uh, a rational person in a group full of people who were posting 
you know, white supremacist, nationalist, armed militia, martial law post that just went unchecked and I guess at the time I realized what could what what could it be? It's just a private Facebook group, but knowing that groups like these all over the country inspired people and gave them resources and information, false information about what was happening with the election and then resulted in them storming the Capitol. It's it's disgraceful. And I understand that Facebook is a private company with billions of people using its service and the volunteer moderators can only do so much and the paid moderators can only do so much. And if the person in charge of said group lets it happen and encourages it, you're in a position where you're forced to either confront people or let it go. Instead, I just continued to post until eventually I was considered in violation of the rules. I was removed as a correspondent and a moderator from the group, and I have not been affiliated with them since. So, whatever. It's a random internet group full of people that I've never met, and probably never will meet, run by a conspiracy theorist who lives in Sweden, who complains about living in Sweden, and honestly became a source of conversation for white nationalists and militias and you know there's all sorts of stuff that I didn't get to in this episode about it because I try to keep it under an hour but you know different types of racist memes all live splatter memes support of the confederate flag posting of people who had been banned Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes it just got so bad where I would just continue to post what I wanted and then I was left out. But the larger story is that to me it shows that if you have systems where people can just let the worst of it happen and let false information spread and it spreads out over a large number of people, right? it may not be a lot to you but in totality it can result in the people who stormed the capital. There is a real problem with people in this country who are looking to these small kind of, in a way, strangers that are close-knit in terms of their ideologies and they share things that are false and give the wrong impression and can result in people being radicalized. It's a real problem. We have a real domestic terrorism problem on our hands and while at the capitol only one person was killed in the capitol during the actual insurrection that veteran of the air force the woman and some other people had medical emergencies it could have been much worse people were captured with bombs and homemade napalm and hundreds of rounds of ammunition and all sorts of weapons and if they didn't have any they used them on film fire extinguishers and poles and flags and water bottles and who knows how many people had guns illegally in the crowd who didn't get in the capital but maybe tried to and what happens if they had gotten close to actual legislatures or the secret service you know the real potential loss for life is immensely problematic. The security procedures in place, the fact that Trump himself encouraged it and took the 
the weakest possible actions in the face of it, the fact that the government was paralyzed enough where one branch effectively terrorized the other branch into stopping its business. A president turning on his own vice president with people in a crowd saying, hang Mike Pence with a makeshift gallows built outside the Capitol. It's the thing of tr bad, out-of-touch movies or video games where this wouldn't happen in a real world, but it did. It happened on January 6, 2021, in front of the whole world, live-streamed by hundreds of people and captured by journalists. And one by one, these people are being identified, arrested, and will face charges, and should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. And it's left the Capitol under massive military guard, looking like it's an occupied war zone. And it seems very ironic that as we come on the anniversary of Trump's inauguration, when he talked about American carnage, at the end of the day, the American carnage didn't stop in that magical year, 2017. It only got worse, year after year, enabled by people who knew Trump was bad and continued to defend him one by one right up until the end. Right up until his true character showed and he helped launch an insurrection against the United States. It's symbolic that many of the people there wore Trump flags and Trump gear. And it, while it may have had red, white, and blue or they may have had flags on, it wasn't about America. It was about one man. It was about one man and his army of followers that believed everything, every lie that he perpetuated. And it resulted in one of the worst days in American history. The president is not going to resign. He's not going to be removed. But he will be out of office January 20th. And for all that's happened over these last four years, for all the trials and tribulations that the Trump administration has put the American public through. We know that come this time next week, Joe Biden will be at the helm. Adults will be in charge. And once again, we can continue the American experiment under a competent, hopefully cooperative administration. The Republicans lost everything in four years and they have themselves to blame and of course if they knew who really to blame they could look to the White House who gave America one of its darkest days thank you Thank you.